said that do not be afraid or its derivatives you could find in the bible 365 times now i'll be honest with you i've never counted it i'm not that ocd but i'm trusting the people who said that and i think it is fascinating because i think every day we all grapple with these feelings of fear these feelings of how's this thing gonna work what's gonna happen and so i don't know where you are at today but what i just want to simply say is do not be afraid nor be dismayed You might be too old to worry about a monster under your bed, but there are still things that grip your heart with fear. That's why it's not a coincidence that Scripture has so many reminders to not be afraid. God knows your heart. He knows your struggles, and He wants you to know that He is with you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. So stay with us today as Pastor Daniel shares how God encouraged the Israelites when they were afraid. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Joshua, chapter 8, as he begins his message, Coming Correct. All right, let's all open up in our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 8. Joshua, chapter 8, as we continue our study here in the book of Joshua. If you're new to the Bible, I realize that you're like, I don't know where Joshua is. So Joshua, it's actually the sixth book in your Bible. So you have the book of Genesis. So you open the beginning, right at the beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus. Oh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then, of course, the book of Joshua. So we're jumping in here. God has finally brought the children of Israel into the promised land. Right? This has been something that had been promised to them all the way back in the time of Abraham. Now they've left Egypt. That whole generation who left Egypt, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. And Joshua becomes the leader for Moses. And they walk into the promised land. God parts the Jordan River so the people can walk over into safety. And right away the battle begins. And of course, that classic battle of Jericho where God defeats this walled city in the most extraordinary of ways. But you know what happens? Oftentimes on the heels of a tremendous victory, there is a stunning or a crushing defeat. See, what happened is is that they began to trust in themselves and not in the Lord. You find that before the battle of Ai, they never actually seek the Lord at all. They just assume we conquered Jericho. God's got this. No big deal. And they didn't realize that there was sin in the camp. There was a man named Achan and Achan took of the things that God had said were only for his. And when they went into Ai, they were completely wiped out. A crushing defeat. I mean, it was horrible what had happened. And ultimately, before they could take their next steps, they needed to root out the sin in their camp. And of course, this man named Achan was found on out. And of course, all that has transpired. So we pick up in this story here. Now, before I jump in, I realize that some of you have been tracking with us in this series. Others of you are just getting kind of dropped into this thing today. And Oftentimes, especially when we're looking at the book of Joshua, the question arises, and I think it's actually a good question, how should we deal with the violence of the Old Testament? How do we deal with it? Because oftentimes we see these situations, and we're going to see it again, where God is actually asking for his people to be his 
executors of justice, where people lose their lives. And I think there's a couple of things that we need to keep in mind, is that first, is that people often say that the God of the Old Testament is a violent, angry God, and the God of the New Testament is a gracious and loving God. First thing you have to remember is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God doesn't change who he is as he goes. And if you doubt that, you have to remember that the most violent act in history was the cross of Jesus Christ where all of the punishment due for all of the transgressions of all of humanity was leveled upon one person, Jesus himself. So God has always been a just God, and God will always be a just God. But what is interesting is that once we get to the other side of the cross, what we realize is that all of God's anger against sin was taken out on Jesus. So we'll never actually have on this side of the cross God asking us in his name to execute physical violence on somebody else. Because the cross is a game changer. But If you go all the way back to God's calling on Abraham, the children of Israel actually going into the promised land and taking this land and wiping out the inhabitants of the land was prophesied to be God's judgment because really what was going on is that God knew that at this point the fullness of the iniquity of the Amorites would come to the fore and now it was time for God to bring justice and God uses the children of Israel to do it. So you have to realize that the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And really, it's a sheer miracle of grace that anytime we make a mistake, we don't lose our lives. It's kind of an aggressive way to start a message. I know it's not all that common to talk about these things in this day and age. But God is always right in his judgment, even if we don't understand why that's the case. And we have to learn as followers of Jesus to trust that our good father knows best, even if we don't like it. And I think if you're really reading the Bible, it's going to confront things in your heart. It's going to make you question certain things that you wouldn't normally question, which is exactly what I think what God wants us to learn how to do. How do we grapple with things that are not just on the surface? I think, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where everything is an inch deep and a mile wide. And I don't think our faith should be that way. I think God wants our faith to be a mile deep. But in order to get there, I've always said it, you you know, you rake and you get leaves and you dig and you get diamonds. And some of these things are challenging. And don't get me wrong, I've been studying this stuff for the better part of 20 years and there's still a lot of things I'm like, well, how does this work and how does this work? And I realize that as we're looking at God using the children of Israel to execute justice and judgment upon nations and dispossess them from the land, that should raise all sorts of questions in our mind. So let's jump on in. Look what it says in Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. It says, now the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves, lay an ambush for the city behind it. Now, I think what's fascinating about this is it begins again with God encouraging Joshua not to be afraid, not to be dismayed. Why? Because they just got conquered. 
And you notice that what happens is, is that they have this great victory in Jericho, and then they assume that everything's going to go good, and it doesn't go good at Ai, and now the Lord comes back and says, listen, even though it didn't go good before, I'm with you, so don't be afraid. And it's been said that do not be afraid or its derivatives you could find in the Bible 365 times. Now, I'll be honest with you, I've never counted it. I'm not that OCD. But I'm trusting the people who said that. And I think it is fascinating because I think every day we all grapple with these feelings of fear, these feelings of, how's this thing going to work? What's going to happen? And so I don't know where you are at today, but what I just want to simply say is, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. What's gripping your heart with fear? You know what's funny is, if I look back over old journals, there's all these things that freaked me out and almost none of them ever happened. It's the fear of the future. It's the fear of tomorrow. It's our inability to trust God for a future that hasn't happened yet, even though God has been infinitely faithful in the past. And is that what faith is? Faith is being able to live into tomorrow knowing that the God who has sustained you thus far is going to sustain you tomorrow. See, this second take at the battle of Ai hasn't happened yet, but God's telling Joshua, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go on up. Now, what's interesting is the Lord is reminding him, don't just take a small army, take all of them. And that was one of the mistakes that happened in the first battle of Ai. Remember, they said, oh, we don't need to bring everybody. This is easy. And they brought a small group of people, but they didn't realize. So really the Lord's saying, look, I want you to bring everyone. Don't be presumptuous. Bring everybody that you have and bring them because this battle, there's a plan for this thing. Now, what's interesting is God said, I've given you the king and all of his people in the city and the land. It's all yours, just like Jericho. But I want you to notice in the middle of verse two, and this is quite ironic. It says here, only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Now, think about it. Remember when they went into Jericho? All of Jericho, all of the spoil, all of the cattle, everything was to be destroyed, given to the Lord, right? And remember, Achan's sin was that he took what God said was not his, and he took it home. But now that they go to Ai, now it's like, listen, all the people are going to die, but you guys get to keep all the spoil. See how ironic that is? Because when God told the children of Israel, no for the spoils of war in Jericho, it was not no forever. It was no for right now because I have something better for you. Can you imagine if Achan could have just honored God's request? By the time the battle of Ai is done, he would have had way more than he actually took from Jericho. But the problem he made, the mistake that he made, was he did not obey God, because he thought when God said no, God meant no, not ever, when God just said no, not yet. And brothers and sisters, listen, this is a huge problem for all of us, because there are things in all of our lives where God says, no, not now. And we don't trust that, because we think God says no, not ever, but he says no, not now. And what we do is, when we are disobedient to that, it actually taints when God finally says, it's time for you to be able to enjoy this thing. Then all of a sudden, it's tainted because we've partaken of it before the case. See, God wanted to bless the children of Israel, but when they came into the promised land, the first fruits of the Lord's. So Jericho was not to be shared amongst the people because the first fruits are always God's. Why? Because everything we have comes from God. Nothing we have is our own. We don't generate it ourselves. God creates these things. So God gets the first fruits of it. So Jericho in the promised land was God's first fruits. 
And then what you'll find is that at each subsequent battle, guess what? The children of Israel get to partake of it. That's why for those of you who are single, listen, with your sexuality, God is not saying no, not ever. He's saying no, not yet. See, in all these different areas of our lives, God is often saying that thing that you want, you will have it, but you need to make sure you have it in the way that I prescribed for you to have it or else it becomes a curse unto you. And that's what God doesn't want for us. He wants to bless, but it's impossible to experience the blessings of God without the subsequent obedience that leads to blessing. I don't even know what I said, but I'm really happy I just said that. It's impossible to enjoy the blessings of God without first experiencing the subsequent obedience that leads to that blessing. Can you imagine? Imagine if Achan, now, I mean, he was long gone, but imagine he was there watching this and just being like, I'm the biggest idiot who ever lived. I could have had so much more because God wanted to bless more than what I wanted to take, but I jumped the gun. And how many of us are doing that right now? How many of you are doing that right now? Where God is not saying no, not ever. He's just saying no, not now, not yet. And in our, why I need to do this right now, I need to do this right now, I run ahead of God, and then you end up missing out on it. And I'll be honest, as a pastor, I've seen this in so many people's lives. God, he has a perfect plan. But disobedience spoils our ability to enjoy God's blessing. I read that, I was just so struck, I just wrote in my notes, what an irony. Achan could have had more than he ever could have hoped for if he would have just waited. And I think that's true for many of us right now. You're experiencing less than all that you could hope for, but you're also not willing to wait for God's timing. And this principle of the first fruits, it's all through the Bible. All through the Bible. And you're like, oh, that's Old Testament. No, Jesus was the first fruits of those who were born, risen from the grave. See, the reality is, is that in the way God created humanity to live, God is first and then humans are second. And so in all that we receive, we always give God the first fruits. Always. Like we should wake up every morning and the first thing we should do is praise God. Why? Because we open up our day. We enter into his courts with praise. We should live our lives. When we receive compensation for whatever we do for work, the first fruits goes to God. We don't say, well, listen, I'm going to do all my bills and we'll give God whatever's left. But that's how many of us do it. And then you always end up living a life where you're saying, man, I never have the things that I want. Well, because you're not giving God the first fruits. All of our lives, the first fruits are meant to be to God. Even so much, when you go to map out your week, do you block out your devotional time? Why? Because the first fruits of your life should go to God. That's the first relationship we should feed. Do you give the first fruits of your intellect to reading the word and soaking in the word of God? We want to give God the first fruits of our energies. When we look at how we're going to spend our time, do we give God the first fruits and say, I'm going to go to second Saturday. I'm going to do this. See, God wants us to live lives where he is in the first place. And the principle of the first fruits is all about that. Why? Because nothing we have, we've generated on our own. God is the source of all things and our lives. And so we want to offer to God those first fruits. And the beauty is, is when you give God the first fruits, all that he blesses you with is way more than the first fruits. 
And that's the thing that's so crazy about it. It's like we think if I give God the first fruits, I'm going to be without. And God's like, no, no, you give me the first fruits and I got so much more for you. But what happens is we want the so much more, God's exceeding abundance without the first fruits. And that becomes a problem. So although Jericho, everything was devoted to the Lord, when it comes to AI, everything was going to be theirs. All the spoils of the entire city. And we start to realize at the end of verse 2 that God has given them a battle plan. You notice it says at the end of verse 2 here, it says, lay an ambush for the city behind it. Now look at the battle plan, verse 3. It says, so Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them saying, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city and it will come about when they come out against us as at the first that we shall flee before them for they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. And then they will say they are fleeing before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do see I have commanded you. So the battle plan is pretty simple. Joshua has a large army, some 30,000. He takes a regiment of these guys and he wants them to lay an ambush behind the city. And he's like, we're going to approach like we did last time. And right as they see us coming on up, they're going to come out against us. We're going to all run away like we did the last time. They're going to think, oh, these guys do not know how to fight. They're running away. Let's all run after them. And everyone, all the troops are going to run out of the city after this army. And the people who are lying in wait, they're going to walk on in the city. No one's going to be in there. And it's going to be easy schmeasy. Sounds like a good plan, right? What I want to remind you of, because you have this plan here, how different is this plan than the plan to destroy Jericho? A lot. This sounds like a military plan, doesn't it? Jericho sounded like a religious ritual. We walk around the city once every day, and on the seventh day, you walk around seven times, and then you shout, you blow trumpets, and the walls fall down. This is actually like a legitimate battle plan. And I want to remind you that God is infinitely wise. So God doesn't need to do things the same way every time. I think what happens is when God starts working a certain way, we start to expect that God is always going to do that. But God has infinite wisdom at his disposal. So I bring this up because as I was preparing this message and I was seeking the Lord, I felt like the Lord wanted me to remind some of you that he might want to use you differently in this season than he has in previous seasons. And I think what happens is we get caught thinking, well, this is what God has always done, so this is what God does. Oh, God's got infinite resources. All wisdom is God's wisdom, and God may want to use you differently than he has ever used you before. God may want to work in your life uniquely than he has ever worked before. Are you available for that? And I think there's some of us here today, you're hearing this and you're saying, I think that's me right now, where God is inviting me to do something different. He's working in a different way, and I've been kind of resisting it because I'm like, well, God's always worked the other way. Listen, embrace what God wants to do right now. This is what I would call a legitimate military plan with God. They're all legitimate, but this one's like actual battle plan. And you see what happens in verse 9. Joshua, therefore, sent them out, and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people 
Verse 10, then Joshua rose up early in the morning and he mustered the people and he went up, he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai and all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. So you notice here, everything's set. Really, you have three different contingents, one on the west, one on the north, and then Joshua in the valley, right? So you have these three contingents that are set there and all things are ready. Now, as we get to verse 14, we're going to see that God's strategy that Joshua is executing on God's behalf is going to work to perfection. Exactly the plan is going to come to pass. So look what it says, verse 14. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle. He and all the people at the appointed place before the plain, but he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them, and they fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel, so they left the city open and pursued Israel. Verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. And so those in ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand and they entered the city and they took it and they hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on the pursuers. Now, when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others came out of the city against them. So they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai, they took alive and they brought him to Joshua. So you see that this plan worked to perfection. When the king saw what was going on, he saw this army assembled in the valley. He said, we better go out and meet them head on, just like last time. And right as they came on out, Joshua turned around, they started fleeing. And you realize that's a very vulnerable position in battle. When you got your back to the enemy and you're running away, you know, you're vulnerable. And so sure enough, they go. And then Joshua, the Lord tells him to raise up this javelin. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that God is infinite in his wisdom. and He has a plan. It's the best plan for that particular circumstance. But often we can balk at the ways that God is leading us because it's different than what he's done before. We freeze up because it's not what we expect. So the question is, will you choose to make yourself available to the Lord in spite of your discomfort? 
Pastor Daniel encouraged you to be open to how the Lord wants to work in and through you, even if it's not the same as it's been in the past. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that this world is not your home. You are a citizen of God's kingdom, and it's the ethics of that kingdom that should drive your life. You'll be challenged to consider if the things that you're believing are in line with God's priorities, or if they're just cultural or earthly ideals. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Conquest. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.